0: Welcome to episode six of the Untethered podcast. Today, we have Cheryl Schaefer with us. Cheryl has dedicated her career to oral health, serving the patients with a focus and passion for understanding the underlying root cause, prevention, and education. Cheryl became a registered dental hygienist in 1983, then went on to receive a Bachelor of Science degree in health education from Florida State University. During that time, Cheryl combined her passion for comprehensive dental care and education, serving as a dental coordinator of head start preschool programs in Northern Florida and wrote curriculums for caregivers at nursing homes on oral care for the elderly. After working as a clinical dental hygienist for over 30 years for general pediatric and periodontal practices, Cheryl received advanced training in orofacial myology, tethered oral tissue, sleep, and airway. She's a board certified orofacial myologist from the International Association of Orofacial Myology. Combining a passion for comprehensive dental care and family experiences with myofunctional disorders has led her on on a journey of constantly learning, collaborating, and experiencing the impact that dentistry can have on the well-being of patients by evaluating, educating, and providing referrals or treatment options for healthy oral function, sleep, and breathing. Now, Cheryl doesn't know that I'm adding this part into her bio, but bear with me here because I think it's really important for everyone to know that at one point in time, Cheryl was an RDH and a COM, she was doing both dental hygienist work as well as myofunctional therapy uh, work and she has transitioned to only practicing myofunctional therapy at this point and she has got a jam-packed schedule let me tell (laughs) you i know she'd be the first to say that networking and collaborating has opened her eyes to a new way of seeing things which we usually say you know this is like putting on your myo eyes and She's on a similar mission that I am. My mission with this podcast is to get this information out there, and her mission is to help others gain access to this information and see things differently. And that's not always welcome with warm and fuzzies from the professionals that she speaks to. So I want to shout her name from the rooftops because she's making a huge impact on the dental community as she's out there speaking to dental associations, dental schools, and dental study clubs on the understanding of function, dysfunction, impact on occlusion. And she actually now has a presentation called The Tongue Tells a Story, which I absolutely love. Cheryl is someone that I'm thankful for to have in my professional circle. And it's really exciting to watch her move mountains and take on the tough questions from professionals who have never learned about myofunctional therapy and the impact that it can have on oral rest posture and therefore the teeth. You know, the testimonials that I've heard speak to the huge impact she's having on those that are lucky enough to attend her presentations. So thank you, Cheryl, for putting yourself out there and standing tall in front of those other professionals to get this information out to the masses. I appreciate you. Quick disclaimer, all information, content, and material of this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and is for the informational purpose only and not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider. Well, thank you, Cheryl, so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you on here today, not only because I know you personally and we refer to each other locally, but because I know you're a fantastic myofunctional therapist. So I'm excited to chat.
1: Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here with you today, Allie.
0: Absolutely. So um, let's talk about you first and your dental background. Tell me, you know, how you got into all of this from the dental side. Great.
1: Well, I've always cared about the health and wellness of others. And I knew I wanted to go into the healthcare field. And so I started in as a dental assistant when I was in high school to try to see if dentistry was my track, and loved it, went on to dental hygiene school. I've worked in three states, started in Florida, California, and now Maryland, Mm -hmm. and I've worked in a variety of different practices. So I've experienced endodontics, periodontics, general dentistry, and pediatrics. So I feel like I have a pretty broad view of dentistry, which has really helped me in my career that I have now as a malfunctional therapist.
0: Wow. So you have that dental background that I'm lacking (laughs) as a speech pathologist. I go, my job is not to move teeth. That's why I need people like you. Well, that's (laughs) why, yes,
1: I love to collaborate and integrate with all the different professionals, especially the speech and language pathologists. It's like, okay, you have a piece of the puzzle that I don't have. I have a piece of the puzzle you might be interested in. And um, just understanding the new evolution that dentistry can to contribute to the patients that is just... I love the paradigm shift we're going through right now.
0: Absolutely, now there's something to be said about the collaboration between speech mm-hmm. pathologists and the dentist side of things. You know, so I think I know I've learned a lot from you and from others in this space, and it's really opened my eyes to even looking in the mouth and seeing things differently. But we'll get into more of that. How did you come to specialize in orofacial myology in particular?
1: Yes, so it's kind of been a journey and after over 30 years of being a hygienist, I would see patients fall asleep on me, snore, I would see their TMJ, their grinding of their teeth, and I felt like there was a missing puzzle, piece of the puzzle that I was looking for. But on top of that, I had a child struggling, and I was a healthcare professional, his dental hygienist, but I couldn't find the why or the root cause of my child's suffering, and so through this journey, anytime I have a new client that comes to me, I tell them I understand what it's like to be a mother of a child with a myofunctional disorder because I was you, and I understand um, how it impacts their social, emotional, and physical well-being.
0: And it's uh, interesting you say that, and I don't know if I've told you, but we actually just had Lily's impressions taken and she's going into
1: an ALF. Oh great. So, she'll great
0: for in August. But well, here we go with expansion.
1: <laughs> well, you, you you learn, you look at the the roof of the mouth all day oh, as a yeah. dental person, but you see it differently when you start thinking airway. Right. When you start thinking about how the roof of the mouth is the floor of the sinuses that the ear, nose and throat is looking at one side, the dentist's office is looking at the other, but we're looking at the same thing and the impact on airway is significant if it's a high narrow palate versus you know, a nice wide palette. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. The things I know now, right. It's like, we talked about, you can't go with the prior guests. We talked about how you just can't unsee what oh you gosh. now know, right? It's like oh my your bio gosh. eyes are on. Right. <laughs> you can't take them off. Right. Which is both a blessing and a curse because I walk through an airport now and I'm like, stop, stop, stop looking. <laughs> I
1: know it's, 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 everywhere. it's crazy. I even have um, clients that I've educated on the importance of, you know, the tongue position and the, nasal breathing and I had a speech and language pathologist who I'm seeing her daughter and she said, you haunt me because I just went to a kindergarten class and 8 out of the 10 were breathing through their mouth. And I'm now counting, you know, are they breathing through their mouth or breathing through their nose?
0: But amazing how much of an impact you've just had on that one person mm-hmm. and how much she can now go out yes. and impact other people. Yes. You know, as a speech pathologist looking to see is the mouth open or closed because, you know, I was taught, well, the mouth should be closed. But that's all I was taught. Right. I wasn't taught where you put your tongue, exactly how you, you know, shape that bolus and what happens if you can't shape the bolus and, you know, so on and so forth. So I didn't know what I was looking at until... Right several years ago when I got into this space and like, holy cow, like, I actually have some clients coming back to me now and I'm going, so I know I saw you for therapy before, but your child has a tongue tie and right. I think we need to have a consult. Right.
1: Figure out the why. Because I don't want you to
0: go through another year or so of speech therapy right. now that he's older and he should have those, those right. later developing sounds. And so it's uh, definitely changing the way I've done my, You know, I practice.
1: Well, my new motto is um, the tongue tells the story. I love And that. so we need to really look at the tongue and find out where is it living in the mouth? Is it living on the roof or is it living on the floor and why? Is it to let the air go by if they're a mouth breather or is it because they're mm-hmm. you know, tongue-tied and they physically cannot? My son, um, you know, I know I've told you my son's story, but he, we had trouble in the beginning with early feeding mm-hmm. and then he had chronic ear infections as soon as his teeth came in. He was grinding his teeth, and he was only three, and And they tell you grinding your teeth is from stress, and I'm thinking, he's three. Why, Why would my child have stress? <laughs> yeah. But in dentistry, you're taught, they're grinding your teeth, it's from stress, the solution is a night guard. He started snoring, and with the chronic ear infections, he had, it was on antibiotics or tubes in his ears for the first three years of his life, and he had large tonsils. And he was snoring. And I said, well, what about the tonsils? And I was always told he'll grow into them. <laughs> and the journey continues, but the, after he turned four, it wasn't cute anymore when he couldn't have his R sound. Mm-hmm. And he started in speech in first grade, mm-hmm. continued through speech until we moved to Maryland where he didn't qualify because it didn't interrupt with his academics. Mm-hmm. But he was in speech for years and years and years, and he didn't have his R sound. Bless his heart, I named him Rick. <laughs>
0: of course, right?
1: <laughs> so he was Wick or Lick. But Aww. the hard part was he started getting bullied. Aww. And in middle school, he kind of socially, you know, kind of sat back. He felt isolated because he couldn't say his own name. I finally, as his dental hygienist and his mother, I said, okay, that silly little frenulum underneath his tongue, just get rid of it. It's not a big procedure, but it's interfering with his life. Mm -hmm. So he said his name for his first time going into high school. Wow. So we had the frenectomy done between eighth and ninth grade (laughs) and worked with a speech pathologist that could help him relearn the muscle patterns Mm -hmm. and using his tongue, lifting the back of his tongue. And he could say his name. The awesome thing is, he was able to be free, to be able to be the person he could be. Mm-hmm. He tried out for the high school play mm-hmm. in tenth grade, and he got the lead. Wow!
0: So in, going from not being able to say ours or his name to getting the high school lead in a play yes. after he released his tongue.
1: And I'm, getting, I'm getting chills. Like, these stories It's just incredible. Well, that's why I care so much yeah. about this career path. Through,
0: your passion comes through you. You can tell.
1: Because I want to find the why. Mm-hmm. So in 10th grade, he tried out for the high school play and got the lead in Armas Brooks. Aww. And so his the speech pathologist that worked with him came to all the plays. Aww. And he even, as you know, because I gave you a copy, yeah. wrote his college essay on his experience. Mm-hmm. And um, the impact it made to be able to use his tongue effectively, to be able to get his tongue on the roof of the mouth. He's now nasal breathing and can speak clearly so it's not interfering with his life.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and you can see, I mean, to write a college essay on your experience with not being able to say your R's, which to some people just sounds like a speech problem, Mm -hmm. but clearly it impacted him on every aspect of his life. Mm -hmm. And that's also why having worked in the schools for a couple years and I was actually working with the preschoolers, but I said, I will never work with the older kids because the schools tell you, you Mm -hmm. can't treat R and you can't, you know, I don't want to be told I can't treat something that I know is educationally impacting a child because if you're social, if there's a social component, and this is, I know, like my fellow speech pathologists will all resonate with this. But we, we fight for and we try to advocate for these kids because if yes. you can't speak clearly and you're alienated because of that and yes. you're bullied because of that, there is 100% a social impact, which 100% impacts you educationally. Well, these ab- kids don't want to go to school
1: sometimes. I mean, it's right. sad and it's
0: well, know. it affects
1: your career path because yeah. he's a mathematical person mm. and his first. Uh, internship in college, he did the mathematical work. And then at the end, they had him all stand up and do a presentation of what they learned and what they did. And the top corporate of the company came and listened to the presentations to see which of the interns had great mathematical skills, but also speech and presentation skills. And he got the job. But without that phrenectomy, I don't think he would have gotten the job. And it would have changed the course of his life. And then we also had his airway issues because he was a mouth breather. His tonsils got large Mm -hmm. and his mouth was open. And so the tonsils filled his throat and the snoring. So we had to solve the airway issue. After he went to college, he still had the large tonsils because I couldn't get anybody to take him out out because they didn't have enough infections and... And whatnot. Doesn't but not
0: that you can't breathe. Right. That's not that you're infected. snoring.
1: Okay. So when you go to college and you're sharing all the germs, that takes care of the infection part. Bye. And we had him bring him back from a university to have his tonsils out. So he lost a semester of college. Wow. However, now the end of the story is awesome because he's a nasal breather. He can say his name. <laughs> and now I have used all that I learned for my passion to bring that to every client i see everybody that comes through my door and says help me with my child help me find you know what direction we should go to help that whatever their chief issue is and i'll just integrate with all the different professionals the speech the ear nose and throat the mm-hmm. surgeons to work as a team yeah. to do the be an advocate mm-hmm. be an advocate for the adults and the children that are looking for what is the root cause what is the key to solve what my struggle is right
0: like I don't want a band-aid anymore I want to rip that band-aid off I want to figure out the why I want to know the cause yes right it's
1: we don't want to be medicated for it we want it solved oh and
0: that's where you see a lot of the kids on ADHD meds and that was me at 19 they put me on Ritalin for the first time in my life and I was kind of like how did I get through my entire life until 19 and now you're putting me on Ritalin and what do I know? I'm sure that at that point, you know, what I know now, my mm-hmm. sleep was probably getting worse. Exactly. And it was probably harder for me to keep up with what was going on when I shifted from high school to college. And
1: Well, it's fascinating because when you're breathing through your nose, you're breathing diaphragmatically and you're living in a parasympathetic nervous system. And so that's your calming and your healing. When you're breathing through your mouth, often I see the kids are hyperventilation, chest breathing, which puts them into a sympathetic nervous system, almost like a hyperventilation, over-breathing. Mm-hmm. And so because they're living in the sympathetic nervous system, they're not sleeping well. No. And then they don't sit well in school. And so what do we do? We put them on a stimulant. Right. And I feel that we should really be addressing, You know, let's get them to soft, slow, diaphragmatic nasal breathing. Find out why. Is it a habit? Or is it a functional reason that they're not breathing and we want to address that with the ear nose and throat doctors with their allergist or pediatrician and kind of get to the why. I had another client um, that came to me and the orthodontist lovingly um, put a habit appliance in her mouth to block the tongue. She had a six millimeter open bite and but the tongue was learning to get out and around that appliance oh yeah and still was coming out so the orthodontist was frustrated so she sent her to me and the first thing i looked at was the dark circles under her eyes her forward head posture her mouth breathing and i said there's something wrong we have to address what's wrong turned out she had severe chronic allergies to dust and and we had to solve that she can't get her tongue to the roof of her mouth until she can breathe through her nose. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, she has to breathe, because airway's right. always first. Through her mouth, exactly. Yeah. The appliance ended up getting broken down her throat, had to be cut off, <gasps> because the tongue is so strong, oh, and and she had to breathe. Yeah. But she ended up doing great, so.
0: It's amazing to me how, you know, ENTs, you think they're like our airway specialists, and then I just, I run into it, and it's been hard to even find people in our area who are, I always say, airway-centric ENTs, Mm -hmm. but who get what we're looking at from the perspective that we're looking at it. So if I send a child to you because I know they can't breathe through their nose right now or I'm concerned they can't breathe through their nose, it's not fair for me to put them into therapy or to right. you know, until I know that they can truly breathe through their nose. So we like you said, we want to rule out allergies like mm-hmm. with your your patient. We want to rule out, you know, enlarged tonsils and adenoids and things that could be blocking the airway.
1: Deviated septum. all yeah, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
0: I mean I mean, I have a deviated septum. I'm going through adult expansion. I'm right. you know, yeah. I know it firsthand. I've got my kiddo going through all this and Well, that's... you brought up a
1: really great point because with deviated septums, an ear, nose, and throat doctor is looking in the nose. Mm-hmm. However, a high narrow palate can contribute to a deviated septum. So they work together in tandem in the body, mm-hmm. but in our healthcare system, we kind of see them as two different lenses that we're looking through. Mm-hmm. So it's we have to look at the whole picture where one body we're not parts. Right. And the other thing I. I say in a fun, joking way is we have a specialist in our healthcare system for almost all of our parts, right. our ears, our eyes, our ear, nose and throat, our feet. Who specializes in the tongue? We don't have a tongue specialist Mm -hmm. per se, Mm -hmm. but I feel like as a myofunctional therapist that we are doing, we're really, our first focus is on airway and the tongue posture Mm -hmm. and the impact it makes on our cranial facial development, our airway, our speech with having it rest on palate. So it's just really fun when you pull all the pieces together and integrate with all the other... Um, integrative professionals that we collaborate with and see the whole picture.
0: Yeah, and that's why we there's so many pieces to the puzzle, and it's Mm -hmm. so important to have a team. And, you know, that's Mm -hmm. why I'm thankful to have you on my team. And, (laughs) Um, yes, it's it's wonderful to work together and to refer Mm -hmm. to each other and sometimes to sit down and look at cases that we might not be on, but we're able to collaborate about what we're seeing because we all have different backgrounds. And I think those different backgrounds, like you're saying, helps us to kind of piece together the best treatment plan for our particular client.
1: And the client benefits. Oh yeah. Because if we can collaborate and say, I've got a tough situation from your perspective, what do you see? Mm-hmm. That parent or that adult is just like, wow, you know, yeah. you're bringing me above and beyond mm-hmm. what I expected to help me get my answers for my solutions.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's what makes, you know, makes you a great therapist. and. Uh-huh. Um, you, too, you know, that's you. why people love you. You've got raving reviews. So
1: they keep me going. <laughs>
0: they keep you going. right. <laughs> they do. They sure Cause do. we put our
1: heart and soul, you know, my job is the health and wellness of others. Mm-hmm. And I put everything I have into that. Mm-hmm. So, so it is really nice to get the feedback yeah. that it is working, Yeah. that we are seeing a difference, but and it changes their life. You know, you know, in dentistry, I was always focused on, you know, decay and inflammation of the gums. We were just looking at the dentition. And one of the things in dentistry that I feel right now that is so important that we see beyond the dentition, we see beyond the teeth, and we see the whole oral cavity. And I think dentists as dentitions should be now called the oral physicians because mm. we, you, i have someone will say you call them doctor i'm like yeah they are a doctor they're the oral physician we have uh the ability to see people every six months in the dental field for a lifetime so we can catch the early airway because the earlier we catch the airway in the children the better off they are right. and when i see the clients that are kids i tell the parents i really see a future adult What I see is the future adult. And I paint a picture of, you know, if we don't solve this now, Mm -hmm. I see snoring possibly, sleep apnea possibly. You know, the way they're shifting their jaw could... You know, affect their TMJ joint, and the parent will be nodding, like, Oh, I have all those things. Oh, yes. And I'm like, Well, see, you're the future adult that we let's catch it now while they're, you know, silly putty heads Mm -hmm. where they're moldable and they're resistant Mm -hmm. to the long term compensation behaviors. Mm I love silly putty heads <laughs> I just saying, you said silly
0: putty heads and I'm like yes that's that's such a good analogy because that's what we try to explain to parents like I know it used to be thought that between six to nine years of age traditionally from an orthodontic standpoint people thought that was the best time right. to shift the palate the teeth and everything and I think that still is a very mal- like a very good time to do that right. but I know they're also finding that you can do it earlier yes. which is why we're throwing Lily into this ALF She'll be four in August, yes. and I'm going. Hey, if it's we're showing that it works now, and I can expand her palate now, and we can maybe, you know, she does nasal breathe thankfully, so we haven't taken out those tonsils. She's not chronically severely ill, but she catches colds all the time. Um, but yeah, whatever we can do to get her expanded and to benefit her, you know, facial development and her teeth and her jaw and her palate and her airway and so on and so forth. You know, that's that's the goal. Because I don't, she doesn't, she's not a kid who wakes up, but she's also that kid. I was, you know, telling my pair earlier she would fall asleep anywhere. She would fall asleep and she would sleep three hours on the go in her car seat. And I was, as a new mom, I was like, this is awesome. Like, I can go run errands. She doesn't want to sleep in a crib because she wouldn't sleep flat because I think her airway was probably collapsing. And she would sleep on her belly with her tush in the air as an infant. And aren't you
1: glad that You're a mom that has the resources and the tools to catch it so early because I had a blessing for her. Mm -hmm. There's a study that says the cranial facial skeleton grows very quickly during early childhood. It is this skeleton that will support the upper airway. By four years of age, 60% 60 of the adult face is built. By 12, just before the onset of puberty, 90% will be developed. That's why the orthodontic society says by seven, Mm -hmm. they should be seeing the orthodontist for early intervention. Mm -hmm. But we think that even, you know, by seven means no later than seven. It could be as early as four. Let's catch, not only do they need appliances, they might even need direction. Mm -hmm. Like is the pacifier or the sippy cup Mm -hmm. or their habits interfering with their development? So we can train them, you know, at that age, breathe through your nose, keep your tongue on the roof of your mouth, The the saying that we always have is um, we want the tongue up, lips closed, breathe through your nose. And just tell them in dentistry and speech and medical, tongue up, lips closed, breathe through your nose from an early age. And set those um, habits, those Mm -hmm. oral habits early Mm -hmm. while they're young. Yeah, and it's totally
0: possible because I, I joke like with my own. Lily can do the best suction and she can hold a suction mm-hmm. cave in her mouth for two minutes and right. she'll go around showing people like look what I can do and like you know you're the daughter of a myofunctional therapist right. when you show
1: people your <laughs> suction
0: <laughs> uh-huh, right like you suction for <laughs> right. fun right. and then Mia would at two months of age I actually traveled and presented at a conference and she came with me because she was a two-month-old and we were nursing and she would click her tongue in imitation at two mm-hmm. months of age mm-hmm. I would go and right. she would click back and everyone was like no But that's the things
1: that we can teach mothers (laughs) early because a lot of the times the kids that come to me at all ages, even adults, Mm -hmm. who are just leaving their tongue on the floor of their mouth, mouth breathing, not using it for chewing, speaking. So I have teach them, of course, the suction, the clicks, the moving their tongue without their jaw. And I always ask them, what are you learning? What are you feeling different? How's this going? Let's remember where you were, where you're going. And I had the cutest line from a 12-year-old, and I said, "What's different now than when you started with me?" And she said, "My tongue doesn't feel like a giant marshmallow in my mouth anymore," you know. And it was just huge for her yeah. that she could um, start using her tongue. And one of the first lessons I give in the first couple weeks is that when their tongue is just flat and their bottom of their mouth they're not using the muscles they don't lap, bring it up like a taco shape. Mm-hmm. And everybody in school knows who can do a taco. Yeah. So when I teach the kids, you can get a taco. No, 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 I have told this genetic. Yes, I will teach you the taco. And when they learn their taco, you would think that was the best day of their life <laughs> when they can come into the office, into the appointment and show me Their new skill Mm -hmm. of forming a taco. But it's a big deal. Yeah. And they're so excited about it. Oh yeah.
0: Well, and biofunctional therapy can be totally fun. Oh my gosh, a blast. Because people are like, oh like the parents sit there and they're like, this is really hard. I can't do this. And I'm like, well, you know, we're not talking about you right now. We'll get there. (laughs) And sometimes they don't need to do the myofunctional therapy, but I always explain. You know, some of you might need it, some of you might not. Don't worry about it. The whole purpose of us teaching your child this, right, is so that they can learn to do the things and build up the muscles they need in order to keep their tongue where it needs to exist in their mouth. Exactly. And, you know, but the kids, they think it's fun and we do, we make it fun. You know, we introduce water and little spray bottles and they think that, like the day that I introduced the spray bottles into therapy, they are beside themselves. And then I have parents who are like, well, I had to take it away because they were spraying everything over the whole house.
1: (laughs) Or holding the button and making their lips strong and then holding a water bottle with just their lips holding a button. Uh But that is why, um, so my company now is called Facial Function, Mm -hmm. as you know. And the F-U-N in function, I changed the font in my logo. So it's it's Facial Uh Fun-Chin. And um, for that very reason. And I always tell them, I want it to be fun. I want you to be engaged. Because if you aren't having a great time, if you aren't engaged in learning new Mm -hmm. muscle patterns, then then we have nothing. Because you've got to really understand that this is working so I had a you know the teenagers are always the hardest Mm -hmm. so she's 13 years old and first of all she doesn't think she has a tongue thrust she doesn't care where her tongue is because she's 13 right right? but the orthodontist that refers to me a lot of them he will not put braces on these kids until after I say that their tongue is not going to interfere with the success of the orthodontics and the relapse so she's only with me so that she can get her braces her goal is braces so the third session she said I don't think I'm going to do this anymore. I do not have time to do these exercises. You know, we're talking five minutes, three times a day, and she's homeschooled. (laughs) And I said, okay, great. If you're not committed to this, we are going to stop. But for the three sessions we have, we're going to stop and review. What have you learned since when I met you to now so that you can at least be proud of yourself? And I said, look in a mirror. And I said, okay, when you started with me, you know, you weren't breathing through your nose. You were using your mouth. What are you doing now? I'm breathing through my nose. That's great. Let's celebrate. Your tongue wasn't living on the roof of your mouth. Where is it living? It's on the roof of my mouth. That's great. Let's celebrate. And she was speaking with her tongue going between her teeth because her mouth was on the floor of her mouth. And I said, how's that going? She goes, it's getting so much easier to not speak with my tongue going between my teeth. Mm. I said, that's great. We're not to swallowing yet. That's next. You can choose to stop here and be very proud of yourself or keep going. And she goes, I want to keep going. And so now she is so excited and she's starting to see her teeth fall into place where the open bite was because her tongue is not pushing living through. Mm-hmm. pushing through living in that space and so she's now committed. Now she has gotten to the point where she's like I see benefits in this. This is worth my time because mm-hmm. if you don't see value, right? Then it's that that's the big important thing we have to do is say, "You know what? I'm a tool. Mm-hmm. I'm a tool you can use for what you want. I have a value." And if you recognize it and you want to do my program, that's great. But, you know, my my daughter who's a nurse always says you can only help those that are looking to be helped.
0: Right. Exactly. Like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Well, and it's so interesting, too. I have a mentor who basically says, you know, it's like January 1st. People are like, I'm going to work out this year. I'm going to lose weight. Right. And they go to the gym three times and then they fall off. And he's like, because people are like, I'm motivated, I'm motivated, let's go. And then they don't get results in three days and then they fall off. So he says the tricky thing is what people don't realize from like a psychological standpoint is that the motivation only follows results. You have to get the yes. results before you're motivated yes. to continue. And everybody is treating it the opposite. That like I'm motivated. Right. I've got my willpower in place, and I've got this. So let's go. And or then, quick
1: fix. Right, right. Well, you it wanna... doesn't
0: change quick enough, right. and so they lose that motivation right. and when the motivation was really never truly there. Right. It's really you know the motivation that helps you can do anything long term is. You know, getting the results. So how cool that you were able to get her those results in three sessions. <laughs> I mean, that's fantastic. And, yeah. you know, and that's, and there's a lot to be said for that because I think people also just hear like, oh, another therapy that we have to do or, oh, mm-hmm. another thing that they want me to do. Is this really necessary? Well, yes, it is really necessary. And if you're compliant, it can move rather quickly depending on the case and how right. many things need to be addressed. But with a teenager, I always say my teens, when they're committed, they move through pretty quickly yes, because they're in charge of their own self and they're cognitively, you know, they're older, they get what we're asking. So I just find that they, you know, they can be done in two months, four months, six months. I mean, whereas my four year olds, my five year olds, they take six months to a year sometimes because they're younger and it's just harder to do some of these. But it is a
1: lifetime journey. Yes. And we're, we're changing these for a lifetime. So what done can mean, okay, you've, you've been able to master this, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean it's in your habituation. So we have to stay and make sure it stays a habit or if it relapses and, and you always kind of come from it. it, What is your motivation? What brought you to my door? And Mm -hmm. then I can integrate other things. And you always kind of come up with the why. So in myofunctional therapy, the three things that I look at primarily is airway Mm -hmm. and then Oral habits, thumb habits, you know, um, tongue sucking habits. I didn't know that was a thing. I have quite a few clients that suck mm-hmm. their tongue, even mm-hmm. adults. And then restricted frenulum. So what is keeping the tongue on the floor of the mouth, basically? You know, what so and then you find out how do they integrate together. Um, fun story is I had a girl, she was 11 years old that came to me, and she's sucking her thumb. And I always kind of come up with the why. So I ask the mother, you know, tell me the story about her airway. You're breathing through your mouth. Why are you breathing through your mouth? What, what is her history with her airway? And the mother's like, she's here for her thumb. Why do you keep bringing up her airway? My focus is the thumb. And so I was, kept digging. And I said, guys, I got to figure out what her compensation is. Why does she need that thumb? And turns out, they were she was raised in South Africa in a mining town. The dad was um, in finance for the mining town. The air was so polluted in this mining town, they called it smelting, mm. that all the children in the town in South Africa, in this mining town, were living on antibiotics or were told to have their, ton- their tonsils out. So I, And I looked at her tonsils. Her tonsils filled her throat. And the mother chose not to have her tonsils out. Though At that time, zero to four, she was living on antibiotics. I looked at the little girl and I said, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. You figured out a tool to be able to open up your airway so that you could breathe. And she looked at me and she said, you're not calling me a baby and criticizing me for sucking my thumb. You're proud of me that I knew I had to breathe and figure out a solution while I was being raised in this mining Chills, town. i again. I <laughs> like these and So she just, I said, you know what? I'm going to empower you how to stop. You use this as a tool you don't need it anymore you know of course we had addressed the large tonsils Mm -hmm. but we had to pull it together and she was she stopped sucking her thumb right away because i gave her the tools of yes you got to get your tongue to the roof of your mouth because Mm -hmm. your tongue desires to be up there the roof of your mouth calls it Mm -hmm. you can replace it with your thumb but you got to come up with the why Mm -hmm. and i empowered her to know you're the one in charge of your body you're the only one that can tell your tongue where to go Mm -hmm. or Breathe. How do I breathe? How, how old was she? She was eleven. Eleven. And she was so proud of herself. And you're probably
0: the first person in her entire life who mm-hmm. said, "Didn't say, take your thumb out of your mouth. We're right. not a baby. Exactly. We don't put our fingers in our mouth." Exactly. Da, 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 da. I mean, and that's another thing I'm always telling parents, like. Stop harping. Yes, <laughs> that like from the second that we do an intake call to the second I see your child, you are not allowed to say one more word about their feeding, about their right. thumb sucking, whatever the issue. Unless it's be. positive, right? You can you can you know cheer them on. You can say nice things, but do not like no more negativity. You're not, right. and and every I'm like, because I really want the child to come in and be hopeful too that we might be able to help them when we start talking about why they're sitting in front Absolutely. of me, and when they're older. They're kind of like, oh, here we go again, like another exactly. person who's going to tell me not to do this. Exactly. And so you probably were like the best person she'd ever met. <laughs> well, the, <laughs> we were the, a, the, a relation, life. the relationship the relationship,
1: the trust, you yeah. have to build it with trust 100%. and that they know that you have their back mm-hmm. and you're not going to do the blame and shame game no. because there's no, if anything, it yeah, retreats them oh, back. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So it's really cool.
0: And that's why, like, with my habit elimination, I like to get their buy in. I always tell the parents, I'm like, day one, when we start this, they got to think it's their idea. They've got to tell me they're on board, but not because I told them they're on board or you told them they're on board. Or it doesn't work. They have to tell me they're on board and they have to think it's their idea. Or it's not going to work. Right. And you're not allowed. And like, and I don't worry. I always tell parents, don't worry. I will tell you what you can say and what you can't say during the course of this right. program. Because if I don't do that, you know, they're going to throw the child right back into old habits. So. Right. You know, and the comfort definitely.
1: item. Yes, you know, yes. they almost always there's a comfort item mm-hmm. associated. I call it peanut butter and jelly. Mm-hmm. You know, they go together. As soon as yeah. you get out the comfort item, the thumb or finger is coming with it. Mm-hmm. So you have to come up with strategies. Okay, you get to choose how do you have the comfort item in a different place mm-hmm. than over by your cheek where you rub it. Mm-hmm. And you have to make it their idea. They have to be part of the plan. Yes,
0: absolutely. Absolutely.
1: It's so Very fun. Cool. I'm so blessed to um, just be able to help steer these clients towards their goals. I'm just, I just love it. I love every day of it.
0: This is amazing. Um, We've covered so much today. I think we've talked about like the cause and solutions Mm -hmm. and prevention Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, even the times to where we should really start catching these kids and working with them. And so um, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you want to
1: add or... Just the importance of the dental office. I want everybody to really start thinking of their dental visits, not just to look for decay, but to also... The dentist can be your partner to look at your airway, to look at how you're breathing, to look at the roof of your mouth and your palate shape, catch things early. But I really love how dentistry is now combining with medical, with ear, nose, and throat and how important it was. Um, Edward Angle, who um, everybody knows as class 1, 2, 3, the Angle classifications, in the early 1900s. In 1907, he wrote about the malocclusion of teeth, in which he wrote, every malocclusion has a myofunctional cause. Huh. So myofunctional therapy is not new. It's yeah. been around for over a 100 years. And I think that the resurgence Of myofunctional therapy is due to dentistry because it affects where their teeth come in and it affects the retention of their orthodontics. Your tongue and your lips are your living palatal expander and braces, and they have a significant impact on the development of the roof of your mouth and where your teeth are. So we can't just look at everybody as structure, we have to look at the structure, function, and behavior, the total triad picture to come up with a complete case To help patients with their goals of a beautiful smile. Mm -hmm. So I'm just so blessed that I have the dentistry background and now the myofunctional background. And as a mother, the background of what it actually feels like to watch somebody struggle. Mm -hmm. So I just wanna thank you for having me today. Well, thank you for being
0: here. And I know you mentioned facial function. Mm -hmm. Um, So if people wanna find you online, can you share your website with them so they know where to go? Sure,
1: it's just facialfunction.com.
0: All right. Well, everything we talked about, including any of the research we discussed, we'll put the links in the show notes so people can find those studies online. And thank you again so much for being here. This was super fun. thanks for having me. I love working together. I do, too. It's a blessing. Thanks, Cheryl. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to hear more of these Myo Tots airway and feeding related episodes, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash the Untethered Podcast. If you found value, others you know in this space will too. So be sure to share this episode on your social media platforms and join us over on Facebook on my Facebook page at Biz on Instagram at at and you can head over to untetheredpodcast.com to grab a copy of the show notes where you can Also, subscribe to be kept up to date on the latest podcast episodes. Big shout out to Dana McKay, podcaster extraordinaire, for editing and helping me keep this podcast alive.